ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back, friends. Great to have you here as we head towards another Syracuse Duke extravaganza at the JMA Wireless Dome Saturday night. Not quite the juice and the buzz from recent years. Don't even know if we're going to crack 30000 for this one. That's just become pretty standard in recent years. Maybe they'll get there. we still got a couple of days. But it's Duke nonetheless, and uh, we got to figure out what kind of Blue Devil squad is uh, coming into town on Saturday night. So when we talk all things Duke, we turn to this man. You can find his work on the digital pages of The Athletic. Make sure you follow him on Twitter for all the latest as well. A pleasure to welcome him back onto the program. Brendan Marks back with us here on the block ESPN Radio and QSportsTalk.com. Brendan, how are you, bud? Hey, doing well. How about yourself? Doing great. We just had you on a couple weeks ago uh, talking North Carolina, another team you cover closely, and that turned out to be a pretty entertaining game and a close game that Syracuse couldn't quite close out, but did it against NC State on Tuesday. They got a little momentum coming in here. Duke uh, squeaked by Notre Dame earlier this week, so let's just start there. As you've started to look at this, uh, what's your feel of, of what kind of matchup we got here between these two? Yeah, it's it's going to be really fascinating, I think, because, you know, as you alluded to, this is not the Duke team of old. Uh, there is no Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson, Paolo Bancaro-esque player on this Duke roster. It is much more uh, a group effort in terms of what John Shire's first team has had to do. The thing that I'm most interested in is the fact that uh, this is not a very good three-point shooting team, uh, especially by Duke standards, but but just generally outside of the top 250 nationally, only making you know, 32, a little more than 32 percent of their threes. Uh, so I'm really interested to see if Duke can can you know make good on what it hasn't been able to do most of the season, or if uh, some of these shooting woes are going to continue. Kyle Filipowski is the name that pops. I can't wait to see this matchup in the paint between him and Jesse Edwards. Who, so speaking of threes, he's dropping three pointers on us now, Brendan. Anything can happen apparently as we watch these games now, but. Uh, what's kind of uh, Syracuse heavily recruited Kyle Filipowski, by the way. So what is uh, kind of his early success and his kind of breakdown of what we should be on the lookout for? And if Jesse Edwards can, can, can match up with him in the paint. Yeah, it'll be really interesting. And, and I'm, I'm well aware that Kyle was recruited heavily by Syracuse. I, I thought for a long time that he would be playing at Syracuse, yeah. uh, until Duke got into the mix late, but Listen, I, I actually am not sure how much he's going to mess up or match up, excuse me, specifically with Jesse because the way that Duke plays Kyle, like, listen, I get he's seven feet tall, he's 230 pounds. You know, you see those measurables and it's like, this is a center. Um, Duke does not use him in that way whatsoever. You know, I, I would have to pull up the exact numbers, but the number of times that he has been the lone big on the floor, they're, they're few and far between. Uh, Duke likes to use him as a legitimate seven-foot stretch four. You know, they are comfortable having him in the middle of the zone against, you know, not zone-playing defensive teams. They'll put him out there, and they'll have him in the corner. They'll let him operate on the perimeter. So, um, you know, the thing about Kyle is that while he is sort of hailed as this you know, stretchy four-man who can shoot threes and everything. The three-point shot hasn't really been there of late. He's down to 27.5% from three on the season, has really been struggling in that regard. And he's continuing to be efficient and put up numbers inside uh, just because he's so skilled and has so much length and everything. 
But in terms of being somebody who's really going to punish the zone and, and make open shots, um, that hasn't been his game for the last couple of weeks and, and frankly hasn't been his game for most of the season. It feels like the past few years – Duke has always had a young team, right, because of the one-and-dones, just the cycle of college basketball the way it is. So looking beyond Kyle, but also including him in this conversation, Brendan, how would you describe this Duke team in terms of young? Is it young but talented? Is it, you know, you have freshmen that are already sophomores, or are they still freshmen, still young, still learning the way here as, as young players? Yeah, I think it's a mixed bag. I really do. You know, it's again, it is nothing like last year's freshman laden team. You know, Paolo Bancaro, Trevor Keels, AJ Griffin, those guys were not freshmen after basically three games. Right. Um, yeah. This group, this group is not that way whatsoever. So, you know, uh, we, we talked about Kyle and uh, against Virginia last Saturday, he had his first scoreless game of the season. So certainly is still experiencing some growing pains, but like, there are seven freshmen on this team. You know, only two guys from last year's squad are back, and the only one who actually played minutes was Jeremy Roach. Uh, so it's really like John Shire only has one returner. So to varying degrees, some guys are further along than others. Kyle is further along than, you know, for example, a Derek Whitehead, who has been in and out of the lineup with different injuries. Um, he's the guy, if you're a Syracuse fan, who I think you need to be afraid of because he's he's the best three-point shooter on the team by far, and especially of late has really come on in that regard, hitting about 40% from deep. But Tyrese Proctor has been up and down. Mark Mitchell, who hit sort of the game clincher against Notre Dame, he's been up and down. Uh, Derek Lively got off to a really slow start, the former number one overall recruit, but he has come on lately. So you've sort of gotten a mixed bag from these guys, but but I would say young and still ascending, but certainly not all the way there yet. Brendan, have you noticed anything tangible that's just flat-out different between the way John Shire is coaching versus the way Coach K ran his team? People ask me this question all the time. I can imagine. (laughs) It's probably the number one question I get. Uh, I would say two things, you know, so obviously there is the like basketball side of it. And then there's sort of the management CEO coach style of it. Uh, As far as basketball, there are some, some slight differences. I mean, John runs a lot of what Duke had traditionally run under K. They're still heavily involved with their horn set. He has been more willing to run open sets this year. So having all five guys outside of the paint with no true big Uh, inside that is something that he wants to continue to do and I think will do in the years to come wants to have you know kind of like with Kyle wants to have bigs who can shoot the ball and and create mismatches on the perimeter so that's one difference but uh, from an actual like coaching you know leadership style um, certainly it is not the same level of of fire uh, of pure anger of you know blazer being ripped off like rage red face John isn't quite that guy. He has a much more calm demeanor. Um, I would say he's much more optimistic generally. And I think a great example of the difference is he's still learning. At the end of that contested game last Saturday between Duke and Virginia and Charlottesville, you know, there should not be a situation where the head coach is going to overtime and then going after the game and saying, I don't have clarity on what the call is. If Coach K is in that situation, I have 100% certainty that he's going to the officials and he's saying, look, if you're saying we're going overtime, fine, but you have to tell me why. I need to know what the call is right now. And that wasn't the situation with John. So uh, certainly he's still growing and evolving, but I would say the differences are more subtle than overly pronounced and slapping you in the face at this point. 
Brendan Marks joining us here from The Athletic. He covers Duke and North Carolina. Great job on the college basketball world. Check out his stuff there and on Twitter. Uh, Brendan, you, you referenced it there. Have, have the embers finally burned out on that Duke-Virginia situation, or are people still uh, gritting their teeth about that one? I think that mostly they finally died down, but but certainly uh, embers is a mild word for it. Um, in the immediate in the immediate aftermath, uh, I would not say embers at all. Maybe embers with every step that someone affiliated with Duke took. I mean, they were they were pretty hot, and and you know, not that the national perspective is going to feel bad for Duke in any way whatsoever, but you know, for once, Duke did come out on the wrong end of a, of a bad call and uh, cost him the opportunity for what would have been really Shire's first marquee win. I mean, Duke is a decent resume so far. They're a clear tournament team at this point. I don't think there's a lot of doubt about that. Um, they beat Xavier back in the non-conference, and that probably is still their best lingering win. I think that's why people were so angry, because it's like, you know, this really would have been a statement opportunity for John and uh, and really for a young team. And instead, you know, instead of that being the story, it ended up being about a missed call. Asked you this when Syracuse played North Carolina. Let me ask you the same question with Duke here. And it's intriguing what you said to circle back a minute ago about Jesse and Kyle won't necessarily be a matchup per se. So what about Jesse Edwards? Who and what is the is the is the scenario to guard him? I mean, he eighteen and sixteen the other night. He has become one of the better centers in the league. You know all about him. What's the approach you think against him? Let's start there. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think this is probably like my favorite part of this matchup. It's, it is the matchup I am most looking forward to is Jesse versus Derek Lively. Because in terms of like body types, in terms of, you know, frame, in terms of athleticism, shot blocking prowess, all of those things, like he and Derek Lively are very much cut from the same cloth. And I think traditionally when people hear number all, number one overall recruit who goes to Duke, your tendency is to think to Tatum, Zion, Paolo, et cetera, Brandon Ingram. Uh, you know, and Derek Lively is not a scorer like these guys. The reason why he is a potential first-round pick is because of his length, because of his rebounding, because of his defense. So you know, in Jesse, you have a guy who has the number 11 block rate nationally in the country right now. Uh, and in Derek, you have a guy who is number four nationally. So we're talking about two of the best shot, clock, shot blockers, not just in the ACC, but – you know, really in the entire country. So uh, I think those two guys are going to be going at it all night. I think that whoever is you know able to sort of win the fouling battle there, Lively has been a little prone there, and I think Jesse's more experienced in that regard. But um, if Derek is able to you know effectively guard Jesse without fouling, which I think is in his bag, um, then I think it does sort of change what Syracuse is going to have to try and do offensively. And driving into the paint against a guy like that, as Syracuse fans know well, is not exactly a guard's favorite thing to do. Brendan, Jesse, or not, pardon me, not Jesse, uh, Kyle Filipowski, he's going to win the ACC Rookie of the Year, but uh, Judah Mintz is, is knocking on that door. Like, he's he's in that conversation. So speaking of backcourt and driving, he, he has really come into his own. His confidence is growing. The other night, nine assists, one turnover. It's, it's just incredible to see the player he's growing into. So take me through that backcourt matchup, not only with Judah, but with Joe Girard, who's always a three-point threat and has seen Duke a few times in his day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, if, if Kyle were to have, you know, I think a few more games like the one against Virginia where he was held scoreless, if he struggles down the stretch, I, I do think that, you know, Judah has come far enough where it could even be a race for ACC freshman of the year. Um, probably unlikely, but he has been that good. Like, 
you know, the thing that I'm always impressed at watching him is his ability to draw fouls and just like the body control that he has. Like, uh, I think that's pretty special and, and obviously hope that, you know, hope, hope that Syracuse is able to retain him. We'll see. That's a conversation for another day. Uh, <laughs> But as for the backcourt, you know, matchup, I, the thing that I think he does well and the thing that Duke's guards have struggled with at times is, is physicality. Um, you know, Jeremy Roach is obviously experienced and, and, you know, in terms of on-ball pressure is probably as good a defender as Duke has. Tyrese Proctor is still developing in that area. Um, you know, he is not totally there defensively yet. Um, still relatively lean. He's a little bit longer than Judah is. You know, he's 6'5". Judah's, what, 6'2", 6'3". Um, so I, I, I would say... The, the thing that I don't think that is going to be a problem for Duke's guards is funneling Judah right at Derek Lively. So long as Lively doesn't stay, as long as Lively stays out of foul trouble, that's exactly what Duke's guards are going to allow them to do. They're going to send Judah straight at Lively and force him to make a decision, uh, either getting a shot blocked or trying to draw the foul, whatever he wants to do, kick out. Um, that is something that I, I would expect Duke to do in terms of the defensive side of the ball. And then Gerard, Duke's three-point defense has been pretty solid this year, you know, in terms of limiting opponent three-point percentage. They're basically top 25 nationally. Um, I would not be surprised if, if Joe ends up getting Mark Mitchell, who's about 6'8 and has a 7-foot wingspan. Uh, John Shire's kind of used him as a defensive utility piece. I could see him getting the Gerard matchup if Joe really starts getting going. And um, so far, every, you know, perimeter score that Mitchell has faced up against, he's, he's mostly been able to been check. So uh, just another wrinkle, I think, that John Shire might test out against the Orange. Good to know there for sure. And Brendan, we'll close on this note. Uh, you wrote something today on The Athletic uh, along with Kyle Tucker. I think it's a fascinating piece. So there's a new must-have position in college basketball, and it's a term we've heard in other sports, but has made its way into this sport, a general manager type role. Why has this become the thing? Yeah, it has become a thing, and it's you know proliferating not just at like the level of like a Duke or a Syracuse, but uh, DePaul has a general manager, Howard University, and HBCU uh, in DC. They've got one. Basically, the premise is this: if you are a college basketball coach, your primary focus should be on coaching. Understandably, it should be on X's and O's. It should be on practice. It should be on recruiting. It should not be on worrying about your players' NIL deals. It should not be worried about that element of the recruiting picture. And so essentially what Duke has done is to handle uh, roster retention, to handle NIL opportunities, both at the broad you know, men's basketball level and also in the case of individual deals that players may come to this general manager with, Duke is trying to take stuff off of John Shire's plate. That is the whole design behind this general ma- manager position and Listen, as college basketball keeps changing, and as we know it is, you know, feels like weekly, uh, that position has a lot of room to grow. The purview could grow. It could eventually evolve to be more of a quasi-administrator. But the whole design behind it is to try and get a grapple on NIL and really to let the coach put his blinders on for basketball so that he can do the things that he does best and, and doesn't have to be bogged down with some of these new developments in college athletics. Fascinating stuff, as always, Brendan. Thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it uh, and the insight. Uh, Looking forward to this game on Saturday. Looking forward to when we can chat again down the road, my friend. Absolutely. I hope you guys enjoy it. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. That's Brendan Marks from The Athletic. He's the best when it comes to Duke basketball and the coverage of that team. We will break on that note and come back on the block ESPN radio. Thank you, sportstalk.com, presented by Best Buy Auto Sales.